Hey, this is Maxime, and I wanted to give you a little trigger warning. This next conversation with Gabriel has an in-depth discussion about suicide. He goes into his story and his experience with it in very great detail. So if that is troubling, traumatizing, or at all harmful for you, please be advised and please do not listen. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. My name is Sekou Laidlo. And I'm Maxine Paul. And we are pulling back the layers of black male humanity to look at what's true, what's authentic, what's deep. Co-creating space for black men to explore their humanity, blackness, maleness, and everything in between to fully introduce themselves. Hey, good people, come take a dive in today's show where we talk to Gabriel Lawrence as we pull back the layers and go real deep. Gabriel invites us into the sensitive places of his heart and he discusses relationships, the personal impact of racism and what it means to feel special. We even touch on how suicide is a factor to be reckoned with in the black community. Come join us. It's going to be a good one. Let me introduce myself. Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. We have the honor of welcoming Gabriel Lawrence to the show. Brother, we are excited about having you. I had the pleasure of being on stage with you some years ago, and it was live. It was definitely live. So welcome, and it's it's good to see your face. And I have my co-host, Maxine Paul. Mm Mm-hmm in the house as well and i'm just going i'm gonna get it started and i go ahead, think go ahead. i think gabriel did some of the work already because he talked about his room <laughs> and then we got the brother rapping um <laughs> and our first question is or our first statement that we want you to respond to is let me introduce myself i mean we want you to introduce yourself in whatever way you see fit let us know who you are hey my name's Gabriel Lawrence. I am a 38-year-old God-fearing follower of Christ who often works with some of the most brilliant creatives and entrepreneurs and spiritual leaders in, in the world. I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Oh, glad to have you. The pleasure is ours. One of the core questions that we always ask to begin this is, how are you doing? And not in the fake way that everybody, you know, just asks you and they really don't want your answer. We really want to know, how are you feeling right now? Because it's a difficult time right now. I'm really well. I mean, I, as a person who's been a college DJ, my undergrad is in communication and my grad degree is in theater. And when I was in high school, being the eldest child of a single parent home with my mom and what would be the first generation college student. I didn't know what I wanted to study in school, but I knew that I needed to get out of the projects. And I saw a commercial on TV and was like, oh, I want to do that. And that was make commercials. And what I really wanted to be doing was performing, but I thought, performing and that's like trying to get into the NBA and I don't don't see either of those getting paid something that is in my future. So I find myself now on this day experiencing a certain amount of liberation and peace when on the outside in 2020, even closing my 2019, it's easy to look at 2020 and, and, and what I'm going through romantically and what I'm going through spiritually and what I'm going through financially to look at those things and speak more negative than positive. But I serve a God that is removing certain scales that I think I've had on on my eyes. And I'm able to, as Paul says, I think count it all joy. And so I can, I can honestly say I'm, I'm doing well. That is um good to hear great to hear because <laughs> we we've heard a variety of responses 
and, and no judgment to those responses because people are where they are. But it is good to hear a brother say that they are doing well. And I, I have a question about you, for you in relationship to that I don't know if we had a chance to really dig deep on when we were in Baltimore, but what is it, Gabriel, that makes you who you are? Trials, tests, kindness. Like I, I very much believe I'm a product of my environment. And not to say that with fault, but to say that with opportunity. I think I saw, heard a quote recently that said, we make X amount of thousands of choices a day. And so Jesus said, we need to have faith of a mustard seed. And I've been fortunate to have enough of God's protection and guidance to try and constantly, even at my worst, look for the best in other people. And with that, as I was sharing with a mentor of mine earlier today, I think I, I continue, even as a person who has suicidal ideation and is on medication for anxiety and who has attempted suicide multiple times, to be in a place of being able to say in the midst of the things that I could put on paper to remember an elder, white, blind man who whenever you asked him how he was doing, he would say, if I were doing any better, there'd be two of me. Or if I were doing any better, I'd be dead or something like that. And it always amazed me, no matter how much it seemed he was suffering, that his perspective could be that things are great. And Viktor Frankl, Jewish Holocaust survivor, is one of those people who talks about him being able to survive the Holocaust because of the power of the mind. And so I think when you ask that question, it's at first it starts with the environment that I've been put in by God and the where I've chosen to keep company and how I've tried to apply scripture to my life. And in being in healthy places, there's a certain amount of generosity and healthiness that has been bestowed upon me in favor, I, I would even say. And, and that, my prayer growing up were really two or three specific things. One being for wisdom, because one of the early stories I heard growing up was uh, Solomon asking for wisdom. And then scripture that was the theme verse of my church, Luke 117, and he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so praying for wisdom, praying that scripture in my life, and then praying to hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Like that's kind of been my armor and mindset, despite struggles and whatever someone could see, keeping in mind also, you know, just the scripture, I think it's also in Samuel of, of the story of David and saying that, I think it's David, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So trying to keep that as mode for integrity and fuel and, and being able to sleep with myself at night. I think that kind of nuggets in a long impromptu way what, what makes me me. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we appreciate that. So I kind of want to still build the structure of who you are in this conversation. And in that, I want to look at, you know, you as the center of the universe and what role you play and how do you, you know, interact with different people and who do they see you as and how does that impact your identity, those roles that you play? So one, I value you guys' time and it's an honor to be on here with you both because I listened to a podcast and I'll be checking out the church of the minister who was on here last week because I'm in Bed-Stuy and, you know, oh, cool. I, I love me some fellowship. So that, that was an on-time blessing to be invited to speak with you, not really knowing for sure about what, but having an idea. So feeling a certain amount of honor to be able to speak with you and then to listen to that particular podcast and get something out of it within minutes because of, of it being something that is necessary for my life right now is I, I feel to be all God ordained. But to your question, I, I think I am a catalyst of change. We all are. I mean, Paul talks about we're all things to all people and Recently, I got into this guy by way of my brother, 
old minister named Reverend Ike, who I sent to Seku uh, a little about. What do you want to say? You want to say something? Say, say something? No, 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 no. I'm, talk about it. No. I, I, I know <laughs> about him. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm new to it. How would you describe for the listeners, Reverend Ike? If I was to give him two words, it would be extremely charismatic at the very least. And he is, you know, he, I think in my response, I said that he's really gives a lot of power and resonance to the, the mind and what, what it's capable of doing. And I think it seems like that's the kind of the driving force of his messaging. And because of that, he has had a lot of followers and people that really respect him. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's my short version. Yeah, and and like I said, to to start and this going back to your question, Maxine. Maxine, one of the things that I had caught from Reverend Ike was this idea that in the story of Jesus uh, and the twelve disciples, each one of those kind of represents different parts of our fa- our faculties. And before hearing that, I would you know go back to Paul. I think it's in Romans talks about us being all things to all people. And so there and came a some, point and say it again. I said in that some way we might win some, that's the end of that. W- w- do you know what that full verse is? Clause a of that be all things to all people in that some way I might win some. Mm, thank you for that. I, I'm, <laughs> that's, that. Where's it found? I think it's in Romans. It's either in Romans okay. or Philippians. Uh, um, that's good to, I, I've, thought so much and going back to your question, Maxine, about this verse that is good to, I think I'm entering into a place in my life where I want to, again, be more vocal about my faith. And that's something that I don't, I choose to try and share at intentional moments, but live out regularly. And so going again, back to the question, I I think I'm a catalyst of change. And I think we all are. I just try to be a, a constant positive change. And some of the people that have influenced me, Jesus being one, and then like filmmaking mentors, Jimmy Duke. I used to be on the staff at a church in Los Angeles called Mosaic. And I was one of the people in charge of the video production there. And I was under the leadership of Jimmy Duke. And he was like a mentor to me and predecessor because I took over his position as he went to then lead a film production company. So at roughly 26, just out of undergrad and studying uh, communication and having just left being on staff at a large church for their TV show production company, which was called Family and Marriage Today, hosted by Jimmy Evans. I, I, I left there where I was doing video production work and shooting sports for local news stations to then going to LA, knowing about the church mosaic and the pastor or lead architect, you would say, Earl McManus, and then came up under Jimmy. Now I say all that to say, Jimmy would tell the film team that we should always leave, I'm paraphrasing, people, places, and spaces better than how we found them. And so when it comes to wherever I work, if we're supposed to constantly be in prayer and being close to God is really only through Jesus. And the more we embrace him, the more we are trying to do to him, for him, or think what would Jesus do or how he responds. So in that cyclical motion, you know, what he said matched up with, you know, my church doctrine in Luke 114 or 117. And I keep finding that theme. And when it's in a place that I'm applying for work or for a scholarship or to study something, it is both how do I explore my unique gifts and talents and limitations and both better the place that I'm at and better myself, even through the hardship even through the relationships and the messiness of dating and, and, you know, being black, black male in New York city in 2020, you know, and, and coming from projects of Greens Point in, in Houston, Texas and wherever China, Honduras, Turkey, wherever I've been, 
you know, regardless of the language, trying to make sure that the other person sees a good spirit in me and that, you know, as a person who's attempted suicide and lives day to day, trying to avoid those thoughts of not being around and that having started at the age of nine and having lived, you know, these 38 years, I have to learn to continue to put forth my best foot. And, and I'm at a point in life now where I see that nothing else really matters. The thing that I, I always come back to outside of learning about acting or filmmaking or the woman that I want to be with, or the family I want to have, or the possessions I want to have is Jesus. So if, if I follow that narrative more and be honest with the talents, the few talents that I've, I have, and not be that first servant that we talk about in Matthew, but be either the second or the third servant and make the best use of what I have, then I'll be well and others will too. And if I care less about heaven or hell, that at least helps make the existence that I walk through that much more interesting. Mm, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. You got a lot of vision and aspiration. And you know, in this last statement that you made, I was just listening to the words that you used, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go down that road because you started to journey down that road yourself. I'm an open book. Yeah, no, but this is good. This is good. And, and it's also, I'm curious about it too, but you know, you said struggle, you said hardship, you're talking about relationship. Gabriel, you stop wherever you want to stop, but I'm curious about Talk a little bit more about the difficulties, the struggles that you face, and what are some of the ways that you overcome them? Because those are, particularly in these times, when everybody's facing hardship, even the best of us, any nuance to how we kind of move through and live through that is significant. And also, I'm going to touch on the suicide piece too, and you go as far as you want to go. But just talk about that a little bit and share your heart right there. Sure. One, I have a therapist and I have a psychiatrist. And I'll say, I don't think I've ever said this before, but that's my team. Or they're part of my team. So my first suicide attempt was, I was nine. And my suicide and a suicide attempt, I, I'll say in my nine-year-old mind, to be explicit in story, and I'm gonna try and keep my eye on time because God knows I can talk. I literally, to tell the story, was sitting on the couch, got up to go get a cookie. My mom was in the shower, and in a moment of time, I, I just thought about life, highs, lows, and I was like, I don't understand the need to wait until life takes me out. Let's just be out. So I, I got a knife, put it to my neck and tried to take my neck off and never had counseling ar around that time. I became a cutter. So there are like some scar marks on, on just my hand from cutting myself. And I, I saw my church pastor once. My dad just told me yesterday of a story, uh, which I, I vaguely remember, but I think around seven years old, I remember looking in the mirror and saying, you're stupid and ugly and you're never going to be anything. And these were things that I would tell myself and I would hit my head against the wall repeatedly. And so I fast forward starting in nine and up, a lot of my prayers are often to be taken in my sleep. And so I stood on the ledge of my college dorm when I was a freshman, I think, and I think again, my senior year, and then my third year in grad school, I tried to dismantle the gas machine in the apartment for the, to gas myself. Couldn't do it without damaging stuff and respectfully didn't want to do that because if I woke up, you know, not only is the thing damaged and I not succeed, but then I'd have to pay for that joint. So I uh, didn't do that. But then fast forward to 2016, uh, a series of, I wouldn't say events on the negative side, I would actually say on the positive side to line up to lead me to, uh, I tied a noose and hung myself in the stairwell of, of the apartment where I'm at now. 
and the cord broke and I woke up on the grounds and I had an ex- what I will say is a spiritual experience in the black and white of what happened while I was out. When I came to, I, I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And I, I remember first thought through opening the door to get back into my apartment and going on. And I, I actually went on and performed with, what's her name? A celebrity, a couple of celebrities, big TV theater celebrities that night at an event with a, a theater that even, and this is God, even in knowing about this theater, I self-checked myself into a hospital and was there for a week. And while I was in the hospital and God doing his work, I'm ministering to people. I think I might've prayed with a couple of people in there and I still was auditioning for Broadway shows. They, like they allowed me, they got legal to allow me to do auditions. And when I first went in there, they said they were gonna keep me for a month but they released me in seven days. They were like, you are a miracle and you have reason to live. So I'm recording auditions in the closet at this, in a cycle ward here in Brooklyn. And or while I'm in there talking to this theater because they are checking on me and I've got people checking my voicemail and things and they are supportive. And even in knowing that later, I became inducted into the New York Theater Hall of Fame by this theater that knows all of the messiness of my backstory of life and, and whatnot. But still, Dana Ivey was one of the two actresses who I was trying to think of. And I forgot who the other one was. But she nominated me for the award and I, I was blessed to get a nice check and stuff and continue to try and live and cause agency. But I say all that as a setup to how do I make it? How am I coping in these times? It's a combination of prayer and fasting, which I'm fasting right now. So when I get off the phone with you guys, I'll have roughly an hour or so fast until eight. And that's because of the pastor at the church from the last place, the the, the minister that you had, I listened to the podcast with you guys. And as I'm listening, I visit his website of his church and they're doing a fast. And I was like, I'm gonna jump on this fast. Mm -hmm. And to add to that, I'm learning about intermittent fasting. So not only so, but their fast, I think, is from 12 to 8 this week. And I am only eating because I'm practicing intermittent fasting starting at 10, ending at 12-hour cycle. So 10 to 10, I can eat. But the fast is 12 to 8. So I, I'm roughly only eating between 10 and 12 on both sides of the day because of the influence, or, or should I say 8 and 12 on the other half? No, 8 and 10. Yeah, on the other half today, because of the influence of, you know, what you guys are doing, you being in sync with your calling. So again, going back to the question, fasting, praying, having community, being open and honest about where I am in life, mm-hmm. getting feedback from people about life, trying to use my talents to the best of my ability and be malleable and, and, and try to be influential humbly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yes. Thanks for sharing. Yep. Now, I want to kind of understand, let's put it in the black man lens. Do you feel like you've had dreams that have in some way been hindered because you you are a black man? The way you look, you know, the way you just come out here, your culture comes up through you? Yes and no, but I I also think I'm special to say that and mean it and what it means to me and, and speaking my truth. Like I've always felt I think I said this earlier, protected. And so I was in high school and I I try not to say names or tell stories for flattery. I mean, not to say never, I can't say never, but on average, and I try not to be gossipy and and give people other people's information. So I, I say these names and things just so for backstory. So like I was the prom king and homecoming king in high school and the most likely to succeed and one of three for the school being named after me. In my middle school, I was the the success person of the year, and and I went to co- I had 21 scholarships to college, and you know I was the first black homecoming king at my university, and I went to grad school for free, and things have been good in a large extent for me. I also grew up, you know, in a single parent home with a brother who didn't have our father around. I had my dad around for a short while. 
I still have a relationship. We, we both still have a relationship with my dad. I prayed with my dad today and my mom and my dad's ex-girlfriend all today. My mom is a prayer warrior. I liken her to Mary. And I have seen a lot of church and have also learned certain behaviors that have allowed me to be in God's grace. And, and at the same time, I sure have faced limitations, but I think in as much as God has protected me, there's a lot of favor that I've had. So I haven't had it as hard as some other people, but I can empathize and understand because I still do have microaggressions that I experienced or have. And then on this show called What Would You Do? that I've done 14 or 15 episodes of this show. And the show oftentimes deals with racial or moralistic matters. And I am at the center of those. So I experience it, whether I'm being elevated by the TV shows that I've been in or the networks and places that I've worked at and or on the street but not nearly to the extent of a lot of my other people of color, you know, friends and whatnot. But I, I, I also know, again, we have the, the trick of the enemy is so great that we can be in, in, we live in an abusive relationships all the time and don't recognize it. For instance, I went through an experience at my job that I'm super grateful for, but a training that they had for me to go through that was my choice to go through the training because they say had five and I happened to choose the one that had a lot of flags. And I wrote up a letter to them to let them know that it was bothersome to me, short, succinct. And then they paid me to write more about it. And then they turned that over to the university and said, we are not going to continue to show this material because you bothered someone that we care about. Unlike my counterparts, friends who are with other institutions, who they're dealing with the people who won't listen to them. And, and I can understand that pain, but I happen to at the right time say the right enough things to the white people to have favor and also hear about the struggle and disappointment that my other friends are experiencing. So to, going back to the question, like I experience it and I don't. And, and I, I think that's only by God's grace. Mm, mm, good answer. Well, what I heard in there, and as we say, when we are in school studying for our MFAs, um, <laughs> I, I heard I heard some operative words in there. Right? <laughs> so the so the operative, some of the operatives I heard was white people. You said white. Uh, <laughs> I know Maxime heard that, right? Uh, <laughs> he heard that, and and then I heard you say abusive relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And so those two things stick out to me because we've also all three of us have been in an abusive relationship with this country mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and we have been the abused and white people have been a large part of that problem mm-hmm. you talked about being special but i know that there are some places that we all have in common and that is there are things that we often want to say and we hold in that we don't say out loud for whatever reason, that being the place of employment that we're in or outside. And as honest as you can be, as you have been so far, what are some of the things that you hold in that you don't say? Oh, yeah. That you really want to say and say it how you feel it. Uh, and then talk about why. Fuck you to a very specific three people that come to mind and who are all white for literally poking and prodding me. I had an instance at a theater where a white counterpart in a different show did a lot of things completely unacceptable and was reported for drinking and messing up the show after it opened and in rehearsal. And I, in a show, changed my blocking, explained why it happened, and got fired. Before getting fired, had to be tested for my mental stability, blood drawn, observed repeatedly from different people, told what was good, who was authorized to observe me, who wasn't qualified, 
after they took me to these places to be observed like a, a, a rab lap and, and, and then still was fired. So, so first, fuck you is the first thing that comes to mind. And then to these people, I think one, I want reparations and we, we can't be repaid for the sorrow pain of our past nor the sorrow pain that we will continue to go through. There's no price that is worth that that we have experienced and how that affects the world, the universe. But I do believe that some people should pay for some stuff and say it like I want to say it some shit. And I I think every person who doesn't identify as a person of color, and a lot of folks who do, should be required to go through some diversity training in America. You know, just like we have to learn the Pledge of Allegiance and all these other things, I think there should be diversity training. And I think there should be more institutions, clubs, groups that help to facilitate what healing looks like in this country with regard to race relations. And I, I don't even remember the exact question, but in terms of a more healthy state and change, I think we should also continue to have counsel and check-in and accountability for our spiritual leaders and for our electors, like the people that are in office. And I think it's awful that in all of those positions there's so much dirt and crime and corruption that happens, but that's also man or the fall of man and a part of the life that we have. So there's always going to be something. And that's what my nine-year-old self understood in a matter of moments. Like there, were, there are always going to be issues. You can be rich or poor, people going to die, people going to advance and not advance. And so I, first and foremost, with regard to race, I, I think we need to everyone can benefit from being a part of healthy conversation about race and what that is and heck one of my favorite shows i'm I'm starting to bore myself now so i'm just going to change the direction is on hbo and it was watch me did y'all see watch me heard about it one of my favorite shows how would you describe watchmen for those who might be listening and, and we bring in something completely different so I am, I'm all about like science, technology, future, you know, I've always been like that since I was very young. I think this takes that superhero realm, blends it with science fiction mm-hmm. and puts like the layer of realistic historical racism and oppression in it. It is partially Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. even though the guy that wrote it is white, but like, mm-hmm. but like it is Afrofuturism in some ways. Because looking at a world where black people have powers like that are that are like smart and able and capable, and how mm-hmm. do they navigate this? Mm-hmm. I bring that up because there's a track in it where there is a programmed show that teaches what they want you to think of of history, and I think it will behoove America to have some PBS or ABC or something. That is prime time, like we used to run the colored bars. That is a conversation around race and admitting what this country has done and acknowledges the people that have been wronged and owns up to the truth that exists. And when we prioritize being truthful and changing the narrative and creating better equality, particularly and specifically having to do with race, and we not have that conversation be a single-sided narrative, when that starts to be explored as it is happening more and more, then we can experience healing for our land in many other ways. And the Bible talks about healing in the land and God healing the land. Our land is bloody with the lives of Black people. And I, I think it is paramount for us to own that, to be honest with it, to particularly people who are not POC, people of color, to seek their own mental health 
growth or challenge because it, 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 has to, it has to have affected you mentally in ways that you can't fully imagine, nor can people of color fully imagine, but we have a much better idea. I think it affects you spiritually. And we're, as the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and spiritual beings in high places. And so there is a spiritual component to all this that continues to be fed. And so until we choose to clean and address that, again, people who are ministers and people who are politicians or the same, and we who live here, we around the world are continuing to suffer because when people around the world think of America, they might think land of the free, but they also think land of the chained and the bound and the uh, killers and murderers and racists and all these things. And if, if that is the thought that people around the world have, then how much uh, better can we as a nation be? A word. A word was spoken. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so one thing I ask you, as a person that is currently in a partnership, <laughs> I want to ask, how is dating? You in New York, in a pandemic, dating. <laughs> y'all, y'all been through all y'all phases, so y'all out in the, in the public now. I have to use very choice words. I literally, wow, this is, this is tricky because I'm both trying to embrace this moment and be intentional at the same time and respectful at the same time. So I have been seeing someone that I care very much about and it's been almost a year. And I should say, I'm learning a lot about myself and I'm very much an extroverted person, but I, if if you've ever heard of Myers-Briggs, I'm um, Mm -hmm. a low extrovert. So I fill up and, and can be on stage and with people and life of the party, but I, I also need time alone. And I think part of my, I have, I have self-diagnosed myself this week with codependency issues. And in doing that work and recognizing some narcissistic traits that have been around me with the relationship with people that I'm, I'm close to, myself in relationship with my lady to be needing to, as I've talked with her, just spend more time with myself. And so that's, we're navigating what that looks like. Are y'all in the same space? No, we don't live together, Mm. but you know, we live near each other. Like I I can bike to her place in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Okay. Close enough. Yeah. Question about the present and the future as well but answer it as you will. And you've been really detailed in your your responses, which I appreciate and continue. But what does freedom look like to you? I don't know if it exists, to be honest, for me in the way that I need it. I struggle with expansiveness in my mind. Like I I see a lot and I'm, I'm very detailed, even in my forgetfulness. And I always, feel bound and limited because if I tell you how beautiful or intelligent or powerful you are, I can't fully express that to you. So I already feel limited. And so freedom or to be free means a lot of different things. Like there's freedom, uh, there's financial freedom, there's white man freedom as a black man, meaning being able to take up as much space as I want to and not feel that I, I'm threatening to someone by my existence, that I rightfully live in a way that I don't have to doubt whether or not I am taken at face value as a valuable person or an asset or that I have potential because I would say the limitations put on me by society in this country is that I fit a very narrow and oftentimes negative uh, stereotype. And, and so at the same time, as I kind of walked you guys through what it's been like for me to grow up, I've experienced a, a huge amount of freedom or liberty, both spiritually and naturally. And between my international travels and notable figures who I've met with and highs and lows of my bank account and highs and lows of my love, 
platonic and romantically and nor do i think that i ever needed any of those things to be free um i then when i think about freedom already feel to an extent bound because for me at nine i was like huh i think i got life figured out and this is not boring so i i know what i want for as a person who's worked in prisons and has worked with inner city youth and has worked with celebrities and stuff what i wish for my unborn child or what i wish for the next generation or for everyone in america alive or people of color is again to be more respected and understood and make space for people of color uh, and i think that cracks open more opportunity but it doesn't replace the trauma or the fear that has been built up the psychological work that has been done cannot be reversed completely. It can be changed, but it can't be forgotten to a huge extent. And as I was saying earlier, there are a lot of people who don't know that they are being abused. And so they pass on a spirit of abuse or neglect or whatever things that create the human experience that we live in or contribute to that, should I say. So I think again, and I feel okay in saying this special and different to an extent that i'm interested in the victor frankels because shit though i am bound by this human experience and what i live through i have a lot of freedom at the same time it's kind of boring and there's a certain amount of being bound that is experienced too appreciate that Good perspective now I think we are, you know, we got a little taste of, you know, I, I enjoy Afrofuturism and thinking very creatively. So as you were talking, I was thinking about this. If there was another world that we lived in, alternate dimension, whatever you think. And in this world, there is no Christianity. What do you do to replace that? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Is there something to replace that or not? That's a great question. I think, you know, when I was a kid, sixth grade, I like permutations. There was something about infinity are going on and, and how things grow and things are either going to go left or go right and without words you have spirit or movement and communication that happens and it changes when you add intelligence the, the higher level the level of intelligence that you have and so what that world looks like who knows because there are a lot of things that contribute to whatever that is you know if if we didn't have words and only have movement that would it, it would be a, a very different life and I, who knows if we will still have pain or not the same way that we have it or not I, I think to a large extent a structure a hierarchy is going to be formed and whether that is good or bad like the judgment is 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 for those who can judge <laughs> you know who have the ability to do that and so i can also think of you know i, I used to love shows like sliders and outer limits and and what's what's that show with casey he he's older he goes through time travel where they get in this machine and they can go to not back to the future not back to well i guess they would go back it's not back to the future the movie but but even you know all of that stuff Doctor like who? i dig that not even that far back it's, <laughs> it's some it's uh, it's after alias and it's, it's got the guy from Lord of the Rings, one of the, the Dark Tower guy. He's also, he's in a show that's on Netflix right now, or on Hulu right now. It's Hunters. I think it's Hunters. Oh, Hunters. Anyhow, yeah, that's not the show, though. I'm like playing the hopscotch oh. game to get to. <laughs> I can think of alter universes. I can think of what Gabriel looks like rich, what Gabriel looks like as the king what a different world looks like you know that doesn't have religion and and for me it's like there are infinite possibilities i think if you can imagine it well, for one is your imagination and whatever you can imagine and and two if you can imagine it it's possible so the infinite possibilities of what could exist and how christianity does or doesn't affect that and and even what Christianity has done or hasn't done here, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I think Jesus came to this world for a specific reason. And so we were in need of Jesus and, and God provided him. Elsewhere, Christian, not Christian, 
title, no title, who knows what they need? <laughs> the answer. That's right. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> so this is this is a question about the pandemic, and uh, you know we talked about kind of what you're experiencing, frustrations and challenges and stuff, but you know there's some good and some bad that's happening in this moment, and there's a, it it also feels like there's a lot of potential that can come out of this moment. Mm-hmm. And so what, what for you coming out of this, whenever we come out, what would you like to see take place that you feel like, wow, this is, as you use the word special. Oh man. I tell you what reparations, <laughs> what, what city is that? that sec- what that? city is that that has started? To, to move for reparations? Is it in North Carolina? I think so. Yeah, I think it's in North Carolina. South Carolina. It's one, yeah, like it's happening. Like people are, towns are looking at ways or there is a town that's looking at, uh, I think free college for, which free college still costs. But yeah, reparations on the other side of the pandemic, more conversations about it. I would like to see a change in the way employers create restrictions for their employees. I, I would like there to be more autonomy on, on what, how the U.S. looks at labor and, and work and how we run our police departments and how we deal with racism or race or that, that construct. And I, I specifically say on the other side of the pandemic because I like numbers, like 2020, you know, there's a lot of prophecy about, you know, what this time will be like. And for whatever it is, is a change. And it's, it's special. And when Trump was running for office, I was like, you know, he gets elected. If he gets elected, and I, I felt he was going to, I not elected, that's even questionable. Let's get into the office, much like the Me Too movement and other things that have been happening, that there would be a call to action because the more that dirt rises or negative things are exposed, the, the more we can hopefully clean those things up. And I would say within 45's presidency and leading up to it, that there been, there's been a, a very large, I'm gonna claim change of the guard and in a lot of different industries and a lot of different movements and things that have come about. And so on the other side of 2020, or the pandemic, I pray with the amount of death that is happening, I pray that there's a lot that gets cleansed and washed away and let go of, and that there is a new generation, new opportunity that begins to rise up. And that with this cleansing that is happening, that in this time, instead of trying to be better than other countries and better than each other in America, if we can do better at learning from each other and helping each other, not just trying to benefit from each other, even be sacrificial with one another, then we as a world can evolve and have heaven on earth. But regardless of how capitalistic or religious or whatever ism ideology that exists, at the end of the day, we don't care enough for each other. We compete with each other and therefore often hurt and devalue each other. And so on the other side of 2020, I hope that we can learn how other countries prioritize their people and their healthcare and in their labor force and, and that there are other things, even with when travel starts to happen, that barriers get broken down as people want to get out and explore and already have begun to think differently to help spread more seeds of truth and not truth in it being a religious thing, but being the effect of a God thing. Now, I want to ask the final question. Do you have anything you would like to share with the audience, the people listening, any place that they can find you online, any work you're doing? He's all I over the TV. I know that. <laughs> I was once on a show called Wipeout, and I yeah. wiped out. I, got, I made it to finals. I won one event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on a show called What Would You Do pretty often. I was on a couple of weeks ago, hosted by a wonderful man, John Keonis, and a mm-hmm. great team, TSD. San Diego, Triton. Got my MFA in theater from there. Seku Ludlow is, um, praise the Lord for forgiveness and grace and mercy. <laughs> Laid low, because you could tell I was struggling at the start, he said. But he's a bad mamma jamma. 
you know, I picked his brain a lot when I was doing our show together in Baltimore and he has stayed with me and I've had conversations with him in my head without him being around with regard to dating and masculinity and faith. And, you know, I, I think that this podcast is an external answer to my own prayers because I would be interested in doing, I have talked about having, doing a podcast and things like that. And so when I see people doing things that I enjoy or want to do, um, and can champion them on, cheering them on also feels a little selfish in a fun way, you know, that living vicariously. So I, I want people to keep checking this out. But yeah, my ats are, everything's Mr. Gabriel Lawrence, at Mr. Gabriel Lawrence on Facebook and Instagram. I had a Mr. Gabriel Lawrence website that I need to get back up. So. Me? I'm on IMDB Gabriel Lawrence. There are a few Gabriel Lawrence's, but if you put what would you do, it'll take you to me on IMDB. Uh, just because that's a big thing that people recognize me like on the street from and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. And I think you said in high school, and I'm going to say this to close it out, that you were, you were crowned the first <laughs> black homecoming king. Well, so in high school, I was homecoming king and prom king and most likely to succeed and nominated for Mr. Nimitz. I was Mr. Aldine in my middle school, but in college, I was the first black homecoming king. So I was homecoming king in high school and in college. Okay. So since, since you talked a lot about God, we're going to give one for the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make you, you we're going to make you the black homecoming king of let me introduce myself. Um, brother, because you are home, you are home with your brothers and we appreciate you and we thank you for sharing your heart, your voice and your soul. This is Let Me Introduce Myself. And we had the pleasure of sitting with and hearing from Gabriel Lawrence. And we thank you for your time, brother. And we look forward to building more. Thank you, man. I don't know if that was the final close, but Javon Johnson, a poet, I used to do, I went to college on a speech scholarship and compete in speech and debate. And Javon is this poet from Deaf Poetry Jam, who's also a friend of mine who I competed against doing speech and debate. And he once said to this shorty who I like, he gave her a hug and I peeped this game that he spit at her and it made me mad, but I remember it. He said, it feels like home, don't it? This feels like home. It felt like home with you guys. So I, I bless you, I received that and thank you. I appreciate Gabriel for sharing so much. First of all, I want anyone that is having suicidal thoughts to call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. We go through depression, suicide, pain, just like any other community. But we all need to figure out the team to help us. I definitely enjoyed his perspective. And from one eldest son and change catalyst to another, we need more of you in this world. It was great to rap with you before we even started the interview. We need that black joy in our lives and all around us. Thanks for introducing yourself, Gabriel. Come back next week for another episode of Let Me Introduce Myself. Mm-hmm.